We're glad you've joined us today for Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Ambassadors, Thriving in an Upside-Down World. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called The Power of Spirit-Sowing Ambassadors. Let's learn together. Well, as we go to the text tonight, um, I want to begin by going back to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 and verse 20 just briefly. Uh, if you want to turn right to Galatians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 20, which is kind of the guiding verse for this study, says this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In this age, this age of the church, since Jesus Christ came, we are called to be ambassadors, to be ambassadors, to be people that go to those who don't know Jesus or those who do know Jesus but are not walking with him, and we are called to be ambassadors of reconciliation, to be people who reconcile a relationship, who, who let others hear about Jesus, bring them into a conversation about the good news of what Jesus has done, and seek to reconcile that relationship. Now, scripture says that that is our calling. It is our mission to be ambassadors and reconcilers. But here's the question that I want to address tonight. How do we do that? How do we find the capacity to be ambassadors? How do we find the capacity to be the reconciler that God calls us to be? Sometimes I want to live by faith, as I so appreciated Sawyer sharing. I want to do certain things, but then there's something inside me that pulls in the other direction, and I don't know what to do, and sometimes I don't feel like I'm even a very faithful ambassador for Jesus Christ. What do I do? How do I live? Well, that's the question we're going to look at tonight. How do I live out the gospel? How do I live as an ambassador? I want to read you a quote by a man named Gordon Fee. He's a theologian. As everywhere else in the Apostle Paul's writing, the spirit is not the central matter. That place is taken by Christ alone. Before the ongoing life that Christ has afforded through his death and resurrection, the spirit is the key to everything. Conversion, ethics, community life, miracles, revelation, eschatology, or the return of Christ. Without the spirit, there simply is no genuine Christian life. Now that quote ought to hit us like a load of bricks. What he's saying is, as you've embraced Jesus Christ, who is the Lord of all, who is the Savior of my life, I'm not going to be able to live out the Christian walk apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now, most Christians think of the Holy Spirit like a some sort of, he's some sort, I mean, I know Father, Son, and I don't really know what the Holy Spirit does. I read about him, but he's some sort of mystical, out there spirit. You know, I feel like I'm getting into Star Wars. You know, do you feel the force or not? Or what is this? Well, I want you to know that it's not a mystery. It's not mystical. Uh, scripture tells us, and theology confirms to us, that the Spirit of God is a person in the Trinity. A person, not a separate from the Father, separate from the Son, an active member of the Trinity working on our behalf, working in us to live out the gospel, to live out our faith in Jesus Christ. I want to look at three critical ways 
that we must live in the power of the Spirit in order to thrive as ambassadors. We're going to look at three critical areas. If you're already in Galatians, I hope you've pulled up Galatians chapter 6. We're going to begin reading in verse 7. But before I get there, obviously we're in a series here on being ambassadors. And I've been talking about postmodern culture. How do we serve the Lord in an environment where the culture around us is really moved away from the modern mindset, which is there is universal truth and we'll fight over whose universal truth. Now we've gotten to a place where there is no truth. There is no universal truth. There's my opinion and your opinion, but there is no specific truth that can be appealed to. I want to read to you, maybe you've been asking, I know a couple people brought this up, I so appreciate your feedback. Sometimes pastors don't hit it all, or hit it perfectly. And so I got some feedback, hey, could you define postmodernism a little bit more clearly? I mean, that's kind of a new concept. I appreciate that, and I want to read this. We're going to be talking about this. this you could find these definitions very easily. The Oxford English Dictionary defines postmodernism as a late 20th century style and concept in the arts, architecture, and criticism that represents a departure from modernism and has as its heart a general distrust of grand theories and ideologies as well as a problematic relationship with any notion of official art. Now that's probably a little convoluted. You're like, well, there's something more going on here. There's like a philosophy or something or theology going behind here somewhere. Let me spell this out. Britannica gives a little bit more on the beliefs of postmodernism. Let me read this to you. It says, many postmodernists hold one or more of the following views. There is no objective reality. Number two, there is no scientific or historical truth or objective truth. Number three, science and technology and even reason and logic are not vehicles of human progress, but suspect instruments of established power. Number four, reason and logic are not universally valid. Number five, there is no such thing as human nature. Human nature and psychology are socially determined or constructed. Number six, language does not refer to a reality outside of itself. Number seven, there is no certain knowledge. And number eight, no general theory of the natural or social world can be valid or true. All are illegitimate meta-narratives. I realize that's a lot of philosophy talk there. And maybe that's like, oh, great. So that's what we're talking about tonight. Huh. Maybe I should have stayed at that football party a little longer. And here's the thing. When we preach the gospel, we preach the gospel in a real world. And one of the concerns I have here, I believe that the Christian faith is a thinking faith. I say that frequently. I believe that the greatest minds on earth have been satisfied in relationship with the God of the universe through Jesus Christ. And I believe that we come to church, we don't check our mind at the door and have this sort of feeling experience, this mystical spiritual experience. Now, I believe that we have a spiritual encounter, but it's based on reality and truth. Jesus came historically, and there is history connected to the worship that we give to the Lord every week. And I want that always to be the case. That's critical. And as we look at the environment around us and sharing our faith with others and living out the gospel and teaching our children, we need to be aware of the world that they are being sent into, the world that we are missionaries into. Listen, the story of Sawyer happened because truth is true. If truth is relative, there's no point for him following Jesus Christ or adjusting his life to an ultimate standard. 
there's no point to Jesus Christ coming into the world if it's just a bunch of meta-narratives, uh, just little stories here and there, and everybody chooses their own kind, and well, well, ultimately, there's some reality. And Christians hold to universal truth. Now, obviously, we're not angry about that. Some people are just mad about no truth, and they got to be truthfully angry. I don't believe that's what God calls us to do. God calls us to engage a culture around us lovingly. And here's why I want to share a couple of these thoughts. Really, the deconstruction of an overarching truth of any kind, the heart behind postmodernism, is essentially like sending a kid into a candy shop. Now, I've had four kids. I've never done this, although I'm tempted to try with my grandkids, maybe. If you take your kid into a candy shop, we used to have one up here at Polaris for a while. You go into the candy shop, and there's candy on the walls. There's candy with little things you open up. There's packaged candy. There's big candy. There's small candy. There's chocolate candy, the best. There's other sugar candy, which you can eat if you want. And there's all kinds of other things in there. If I said to my child, uh, grandchild, I'm never saying this to my child, you just go in there. You can eat whatever you see, whatever you like. You eat it. As long as you eat it, I will pay for it. Pull up my phone play chess for 20 minutes, and see what will happen. That child will go crazy. Grandpa, you're the best thing ever. You're just so awesome. I'm already getting ready for grandparenthood. You know, it's already. I'm, I'm. And that child goes in there and starts grabbing stuff off the wall, and I just kind of wave my credit card. I'm covering all of it, you know, and, the, and this and this and this. What's going to happen? It's going to be 20 minutes of bliss until the moment comes where the child goes, oh, Grandpa, my, my tummy's starting to hurt. Can, I, can we take some of this candy home? Yes, we can do that too. I'm grandpa, yes. We can take it all, whatever you want. But see, the moment of bliss is reduced to a hard truth. The truth is you can't eat all candy and be happy. Now our culture will say, just go to the candy store, have whatever you want, make up your own truth. If you want that, that can be dinner and lunch tomorrow and whatever you want, whatever you want, whatever you want. And for 20 minutes, it's fun until we realize there's other people in the world that are affected by our decisions. And ultimately, there has to be some, otherwise I just keep eating until I'm throwing up what I'm eating because there's nothing solid there. I hate to say this, but even as a grandpa, I'm going to have to put some spinach on the table someday and some meat and potatoes because that is what helps a child grow and be happy ultimately. Now, I believe that we are called to reach a culture that has been sent into a candy shop with no restrictions. But here's the problem, it will never satisfy. Now, is there hope? I believe that as those who live the postmodern mindset, as they continue to live and try to find happiness by, well, if I just change this, if they're just, we got rid of that restriction and this idea, I could be happy, I could be happy. Listen, that is an empty, empty concept. There is no happiness at the end. You can keep watching, you can keep following that principle all the way to the end, but all that happens is you find yourself more and more and more unsatisfied because here's the reality. You're going to have things come into your life and if you, when those crises or those trials come, listen, the candy won't solve all of them. There has to be something universal above me that gives me hope. And that's where I believe we have the opportunity to share the gospel. The postmodern mindset, in the end, the postmodern culture is really a culture of endless subjectivity. It is a wilderness of subjectivity. It is an endless sea. If you've ever been on the sea and you can't see any shore, and it's just more and more and more, and eventually the sea isn't as cool as it was. And if you ask somebody that's been in the Navy, <laughs> it's really cool to get out to sea for the first day. And then it's just sea and more sea and a whole lot more sea. 
Well, I believe that into that, God sends us with the gospel. Listen, the longer the culture is stuck in the sea of endless subjectivity, the greater the longing is for any solid ground, any solid ground with hope, with justice, with love, with peace. There cannot be justice, true justice, without truth. This is Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, as a result of listening to Meeting with God Daily, I hope that your passion for Jesus Christ is growing in such a way that you're learning to share your faith with others. You know, that's something that our church is committed to, equipping men and women to share the good news of Jesus through personal witness and church outreach. And if you don't have a church here in Columbus, Ohio, we'd love to have you join us this weekend. Go to verticalchurch.life. There's an increasing desire for a story, something else, something else out there that gives stability and hope and meaning combined with vision and a community of love. And that is what the church has to offer to the world. The universal search of this culture is for a perfect kingdom with a king who cares for all, especially the vulnerable. And that person is Jesus Christ. As ambassadors for Jesus Christ, we must represent him well. How do we do that? Acts 1.8 says, Jesus told his disciples, stay here in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is coming. If you're going to be my ambassadors, if you're going to be my representatives, you're going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. God's presence in us, enabling us to be his ambassadors. Hear me when I say this. The greatest apologetic or defense or presentation of the gospel to this generation is the life and ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, unlike previous generations where we just simply had to argue about truth, and if we could just get a discussion going about truth, we could somehow debate our way to the, that was the modern era. In this era, you can't just argue your way to the top because there is no top. Everybody's, well, that's what you believe. But what I believe is this, and there's no universal. But here's the way that God, I believe, is calling us to begin to live differently as ambassadors. Once people without hope, once they have no meaning in life, once they're broken and they experience brokenness in their life, and there's no objective solution to that, that is where the ministry of the Holy Spirit and loving people who are broken and helping the poor, this is where we can come in and share the love of Jesus Christ and give people what they're searching for, a king and a kingdom of grace. Let's turn again, if you haven't, to Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. We're going to be looking at a short passage here about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Paul has been talking extensively to the churches in Galatia, and in chapter 6, verse 7, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Now what is he talking about there when he says like this whole sowing and reaping thing? Uh, I think we understand the concept. I know we have a farmer right over here. And you, his whole life is around sowing and reaping. Okay, That's an awesome reality. We are blessed as a result of his work of sowing and reaping. But this is now a spiritual concept we're talking about. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he reap. And maybe you're asking the question, well, I get the whole sow and reap thing, but what does this have to do with the flesh and the spirit? 
But he's talking about the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and the flesh is the sinful part of me. It's the whole part of me, as Sawyer mentioned, the part of me before Christ that lives for me, that's selfish, that wants what it wants and does wrong and says mean things. That's my sinful flesh. In contrast to that, when we come to faith, the Spirit of God comes into our life, and now we have a battle. Some people come to faith in Christ, and they're like, why does my life feel worse at times? That's because there's now a battle inside of me. The flesh, the old me, wants its control, but it knows it's losing. The new side of me is fighting for control, for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. I want to just flesh this out to you. If you have your Bible, look back just a chapter. This is what we're looking at here. These four verses in chapter 6 are actually built on a longer discussion. I'm going to read this very quickly to give us a sense of the flesh and the spirit Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for your sinful flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law, the Old Testament law, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, except for Michigan versus Ohio State. That's the one rivalry that's acceptable. Back to the text, sorry. Some of you are rolling your eyes. My wife is probably one of them. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, I'm going to stop there, but I think you get the picture. What we have here are two diametrically opposed things inside of me, fighting in me, fighting in me. And there's the times when I, I want to be loving, I want to be joyful, I want to be pleasant, I want to love those who even despise me. I want to be that person, but there's something in me that says, no, fight back. Be selfish. Get your own. Get what belongs to you. Then there's another side of me that says, no, look to Christ. No, choose, choose to love your enemy. Choose to be joyful when you're even suffering. Choose to be at peace when there's anxieties. That is the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Now, I want to give a description. I'm going to invite Micah, my son, to come up here and hand me two things here. I want to use an example here from this text, back to Galatians. I want you to imagine here that um, in my backyard, and I have some of my neighbors here in our church, so 
this is not reality. But let's just say hypothetically that I wanted to use my backyard. You know, this whole thing of grass is just way overrated. Growing grass in a nice backyard, I'm over that. What I really want is some good pumpkin pie. How many of you are pumpkin pie lovers? Pumpkin, spice pumpkin. The point being, I want, let's just say hypothetically that I wanted some pumpkin. And I don't just want pumpkin. I want locally grown, as in my backyard, organic pumpkins. So let's just say that I tore up my whole backyard, and I turned it all over, got rid of all the grass, and I decided I'm going to replant my backyard as a pumpkin patch. You ever been in a pumpkin patch? They are not beautiful, just to say. But let's just say I did, and I got my seed out, and I have my seed, and I, I keep throwing this seed. And after a while, somebody turns to me, and my wife turns to me and says, I thought you were growing pumpkins. Why is there grass growing in the backyard? Here's something really important. If you want things to change, you've got to sow something different. Now, I have some very nice pumpkin seeds. I don't even think these would do much because they have a touch of salt on them. But if I want to have a pumpkin patch in my backyard, you've got to sow pumpkin seeds, not grass seeds. Now, here's where this comes into our real lives. We come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we experience the hope of the gospel, and I, I understand the God who loves me, and I experience grace and all this, so I tear up my backyard, and I say, there's going to be something different now. I'm going to become the person. I'm going to model my life after Jesus. But if I go into my backyard and I keep going back into the same bag that I've been going into all my life before that, and I keep throwing out grass seeds in the back, nothing against grass, I actually like grass in my backyard, but you know what I'm saying? If I keep throwing grass seeds, what's going to grow in the backyard? Like say it a little louder. Grass. Listen, if you want to experience the blessing of God in your life, if you want to experience the peace that he's intended, if you don't want your life filled with strife and envy and those kinds of things that we just read about, you've got to start sowing something different in your backyard. Okay? Now this is where he says, notice back in the text, back to Galatians, very pointed in the Greek. He says, do not be deceived. Deceived? How could we be deceived? Here's how we're deceived. We as Christians... We'll think, I can experience the grace of God and continue throwing grass seeds and expect pumpkins to grow. Now, it's true that God forgives every sin. Everything I do, every sin I commit as a believer, and none of us is perfect here. Christians are not perfect. They're just saved. Okay? But we're growing into the image of Jesus Christ. We want to be like him. He is our hero. But here's the thing. If we keep sowing the same seeds... If we keep living intentionally for our flesh, we're going to keep getting the same things. Listen, God loves you. God loves me. God loves everyone here. But here's the thing. He loves us enough to save us from our sin. He also loves us enough to give us the consequences of our choices. God's grace that forgives you does not shield you from your choices. And when scripture says here, don't be deceived, God is not mocked. What it's referencing is an Old Testament prophecies where God would tell the people, the people of Israel were totally living in idolatry. They would worship God in the temple, and then they would take advantage of the poor. They would do all kinds of things I could list out here, things that we just read about in Galatians. They would do that, and God said, stop it. You think you can play me. You can't. And ultimately, God brought judgment on his own people because of their choice to live a sinful, fleshly life. And here's the thing I would appeal to you about. We're not going to be good ambassadors for Jesus Christ if we're living 
in our sinful flesh if we're putting our energy into living for ourselves. If we keep sowing grass seed in our backyard and expecting pumpkins to come up, it not only is very confusing to our own spiritual walk and to our families around us, but ultimately the world goes, wait, wait, you're you're promising pumpkins and you're getting grass. What's up? You're promising me that the life in Jesus Christ is filled with hope and joy and peace, and yet you're living in anxiety and anger and bitterness. What gives? I want to draw you back to hope because I believe the gospel always drives us back to hope. God wants us to live in the power of the Spirit of God. And if you're here today and you're like, yeah, that's me, man. I feel like I'm living a bipolar spiritual life. I I want to do this. I want to live by the Spirit. I want to do what is right. But I feel like I'm always doing the wrong. And I feel like I'm just living this confused, frustrated life. Well, then the answer to that is to submit yourself and to follow the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio. Vertical Church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission and the spirit of the Great Commandment by making disciples of Jesus Christ. If you live in Columbus and currently do not have a church home, we would love to invite you to worship with us. Our worship services meet at our church home at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Our church family is warm, loving, and would be so happy to meet you. If you currently do not have a place to worship this weekend, would you join us? As always, thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us next week for your Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.